Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Fabinho getting it away from the challenge of Barnes. Matip stretching out a leg, firing it forward. Goal number two for Diogo Jota. So all Liverpool can do is keep applying the pressure on City. And that's exactly what they did with three points against uh, Leicester. Thiago, uh, Diaz, Jota all shining on a massive night at Anfield. I'm Steve Hoversall and the red agenda includes James Pearce and a massive welcome as well to Paul Machen. Uh, from Redmen TV for the next uh, half hour. Uh, James, like most Liverpool fans watching that game are thinking, wow, what an amazing array of attacking talent Jurgen Klopp has at his disposal. But I want to start with the man who you concentrated your feature piece on, which was Thiago, because this was sensational. This, this is what Liverpool bought Thiago for. Yeah, it, it really was. And we haven't, we haven't seen enough of it, have we, in the last 17 months? I think when you think back to... Was it September 2020? You know the the euphoria that accompanied his his arrival from from Bayern Munich, and since then it's been very very stop start. I think we've seen flashes of brilliance, but yeah, I, I thought last night was as as influential as he's been in a game for Liverpool all the way through. I think you could see that he looked he looked fit, he looked healthy, sharp. I think he also you know really eager to try and make up for this lost time because. You know, even when you go back to last season, you know, getting COVID, then getting the bad knee injury when he was, you know, on the receiving end of that horrible challenge from Richarlison, then coming back into a team in kind of January time that had completely lost its way. You know, the structure of the team had gone to gone to pieces with the injuries, um, and then I, I thought he finished last season really brightly, but again this season, you know, the calf injury, you know, another bout of COVID, the hip problem, he just hasn't been able to to get that kind of rhythm and fluency and. Um, yeah, you just hope now he can really kick on from here because he, he just gives that midfield a new dimension when he operates at those kind of levels. Yeah, because it's been a, a relatively difficult journey so far, Paul. I mean, I think obviously James mentioned there that the injury's a bit stop-start. But you have to say he's adapted terrifically well, hasn't he? Yeah, and I think not just adapted on the pitch, but integrated as well. He seems very, very happy and at home on Merseyside. You know, he, he just seems to be loving life there's just something about a player who, who clearly wants to throw himself into the, the the culture both on and on and off the pitch and yeah he, he's just he's just special isn't he there's just something about Thiago and the, the certain footballers who I think you can watch for a handful of moments and, and automatically know you're watching a genuinely world-class player and, and Liverpool actually don't have loads of truly silky footballers they've got a lot of really awkward footballers I think you know, it's a very money ball thing about like fellas who don't necessarily pass the eyeball test in the same way. You know, people who don't look like they should be brilliant, but ultimately are. But Thiago is the the exact opposite of that. He's just silky. He's, he, like Roberto Firmino being an example of that. Virgil's got a bit of that. He is just a 
tremendous, tremendous footballer. There's just yeah, he's a joy. He's a joy to behold on the pitch. Yeah, the, the elements that really shone last night for you, James, not not just the passing. No, I, th- I thought he was he was as impressive without the ball as he was with it. I think only only Fabino won the ball ball back on more occasions across the ninety minutes. I think, and that side of his game has definitely improved. I think you know he did come in for some stick, didn't he, last season where he gave away a lot of cheap free kicks and picked up some needless bookings by going to ground too easily and. You know, and I think there was a period of adaptation there, but he, he he just was so streetwise and smart. I thought against Leicester, you know, time and time again in the in the right place at the right time, and then you know his his quality with the ball at his feet has never really been in, in any doubt, has it? And, and and I think even that has probably changed and developed over time as well, because you know I think there were there were occasions last season where he did slow the play down and probably have too many touches, yet you can see that's something they've worked on. I thought he was very progressive against Leicester. You know, that he, he kept on trying to make things happen. You know, I think his pass completion rate was at like 92%. No one, no one could get close to that on the, on the night. And I, th- I just think him and Fabino, you know, the, the, the stats are remarkable really when the two of them play together. I think they've, They've only played 17 games to, together as midfielders. I think when you discount the period where obviously Fabino was utilised as a makeshift centre half, and his 16 wins and one draw. You know, of course, there's other factors at play as well, but you know there is a reason for that. I just think they do fit really, really well together because you've got you know the the steel provided by uh, Fabino and 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 the real silk and and quality of of Thiago. And if they both keep performing at that kind of levels then I think when the big games come along between now and May, you know, that, that will be two-thirds of Klopp's midfield and the rest are playing for the other spot. You can't leave them out, can you? I mean, look, we'll, we'll talk about competition for players in the places in the attacking um, roles in a moment, but in terms of that midfield, and as James has just mentioned, Paul, these lads form the basis of what you want to see in the Liverpool midfield. And then you've got others vying, vying for that third place. Yeah, absolutely. And there'll be lads still testing... Fabinho, there'll be lads testing Thiago. I mean, I thought it was interesting last night that Thiago starts on the right of the midfield three, which was which was unexpected. He, you know, largely plays on the left, or certainly this season for Liverpool. And the idea that Curtis Jones started over there and the the interchanged quite nicely in between that, which speaks to the flexibility, which means that Liverpool can very much adopt, I think, a horses for courses sort of approach for the rest of the season, having a lot of different sort of weapons in their arsenal, arrows in the quiver, or however you want to describe it, really. And uh, although, yeah, I would largely agree, I think the best midfield three is probably still, on paper certainly, Fabinho, Thiago and Henderson. But the idea that you could you could almost change, you could change two of, two of those three at any given week and bring in another couple of lads and not see the level drop and actually bring a whole new dimension to how Liverpool play. I think that's the thing that's most exciting about the midfield options. Well, well, of course, Paul, as well, Harvey's throwing a different question mark against it all as well. Isn't it an entirely different sort of player who I think the fans desperately want to see game in, game out now? Yeah, I absolutely completely agree with that. And, it, and, and that's the thing about him. He's such a good talent that we've almost... The fact that he's ended up... Psychological thing in our in our pecking order above Curtis Jones, who's a you know another incredible talent, homegrown lad as well, scouser for the for the team, and in any other sort of 
era, we would be desperate, you know, desperate to see him in every single game. But, you know, we're, we're spoiled for choice and Harvey Elliott is that good. Like Jordan Henderson, a great example of this, who has been, you know, not just a magnificent servant, which sounds a bit like I'm damning him with faint praise. He's been the driving heartbeat of this football team for the entirety of the Jurgen Klopp era, really. And he might find his place in jeopardy because there's an 18-year-old kid who's just coming in and taking the place by storm. Um, And the good thing about this is that there's no world in which, because of the character of the squad that's been assembled, this actually doesn't drive them onto increased and better levels, really, because there's so much of the, the right type of spirit and competitive nature amongst those players that, yeah, it bodes incredibly well for what they're trying to achieve this season really we spoke didn't we on the last pod James about the the incredible luxury that Jürgen's got at the moment in terms of competition for places he's had a couple of press conferences where he's he's referenced it he must be feeling pretty bullish about his options yeah although it's funny listening to him when he does when it does come up in conversation because you can see that he's he's loath to to kind of really, really talk about what a fantastic position he finds himself in, because I think he knows to his cost that when you, the moment you do that, that's probably when you get a message off one of the medical staff to say that that someone's got an issue, and and then the, the landscape can change very quickly. So, um, but yeah, it's you know, of course, Jordan Henderson was missing against Leicester due to a, a minor back problem, but um, in his press conference a couple of hours ago, he confirmed that Henderson is now, you know, that the plan was to rest him in midweek and then play him against Burnley on Sunday and that remains the plan he also confirmed that Joe Gomez and and Divock Origi didn't even make the 20-man squad against Leicester so you know there's no issues there they are both fit and healthy and that just shows you like the the incredible depth he's got at his disposal at the at the moment I think we'll see rotation at Turf Moor on Sunday because I think he will he'll want fresh legs and I I think we've seen it before this season he really does believe in in the options he's got you know and, and probably now more than ever he's got some fantastic nice decisions to make across the pitch hasn't he when you think you know Sadio Mane back training at, at Kirby today you know he'll come into contention you know do you do you bring him back into the side on Sunday you know I'm sure we'll talk about Luis Diaz and and his you know what a dazzling Premier League debut that was from him you know th- you know Mo Salah an absolute man on a mission when he stepped off that bench in the second half, Jota can't stop scoring, and then you know the the, the midfield options as well. When you think you know Naby Keita, you know remained on the bench. You got Milner, you got Oxay Chamberlain. You know those minutes for Harvey Elliott, and then even further back, where you know I thought Matip and Van Dijk were were absolutely immense as a, as a double act again against Leicester. And but you know you, you've got Canate and, and Joe Gomez champing at the bit for more game time too. Let's talk about the front line then. And this is where management is hard, isn't it? I mean, how on earth do you choose, Paul, three players from what is potentially six without upsetting proper world-class talent? Yeah, no, honestly, I mean, and that's the the only saving grace here. And I say, like, it's a bad thing. There's, there's four competitions to play for, effectively. You know, Liverpool have got a wealth of riches available to them, but they've got a wealth of competitions to, to vie for at the same time. And I think that's probably what's going on there and what, what the answer will be to that. I mean, it's just interesting, you know, we, we talk we talk a lot about Diaz and Mane and, and, and Salah and, and Jota and Firmino. Minamino comes off the bench, you know, again, he's been the, the cup goal king for Liverpool so far this season. You know, he's got seven, which when you consider he's probably the most sort of maligned of the, of the attacking options that Liverpool have got and yet he's delivering above and beyond what 
you know, a lot of first choice options are for teams that would, you know, consider themselves to be rivals in the, you know, in, in the league and the cups with Liverpool, really. So, yeah, I mean, the honest answer is that there will be people who, I guess, will have their noses put out of joint in the long term. But in the short term, if, you, if you're saying, no, go, go as hard as you can for as long as you can opportunities will present themselves and when the big opportunities come you know Liverpool get to the biggest games Liverpool get to Champions League semi-finals and, and finals or crunch decisive Premier League games or you know an FA Cup final or of course the League Cup final that's what you, you're playing for you're playing for the for the chance to be in there and the only other I guess the good thing about those competitions five subs in the Premier League, it will be tough to get a game. You know, we saw how many talented footballers who just didn't get a, weren't going to get a sniff last night at all. But in those cup competitions, all of a sudden, you know, Liverpool could theoretically change the entire front three in a football match and bring on another front three that's just as likely to beat it as the one that they've taken off. Imagine the scenario. A much-loved and inspirational leader has announced his intention to take a career break and you need to find someone just as tactically astute and charismatic, but perhaps without the glasses and the teeth. Well, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else, and LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. And LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They've even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even quicker. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk. W-L-K to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Let's talk about the Leicester game and obviously um, league debut, James, for, for Luis Diaz, but Diogo Jota stealing the show. And, and this is someone who... He's an absolute jewel. He always seems to be in the right place. I had a chat with Aldo afterwards. I said, it's a bit like you, isn't it? He was always just in the right place. And and that's what you're getting from Jota at the moment. What's he on, 17 in the season in all comps now? Yeah, 17 in all comps. And I think I think the only time in his career he's bettered that was um, was when he was when he was actually in, in the championship with with Wolverhampton Wanderers. So he's certainly at the top level, this is the most prolific season of his life. And you know, it, it, you just think how, how many could he could he go on and get? Because you know, there's no no reason why he shouldn't be certainly getting to 25 and even even potentially 30. I think only Mo Salah has outscored him in the Premier League this season. And I think the the beauty of Jota is that just the the sheer array of goals that he scores as well. You know, the the two against Leicester were proper poachers' efforts. They were they were Aldridge-esque, weren't they? In terms of sensing those openings, and you know, it was a great header from Van Dijk for the for the first one. I think you know clearly that was something they'd 
they'd really worked on because Leicester, I think Leicester have shipped more goals from set pieces than anyone else in the Premier League this season. It was, it was a real Achilles heel and, and you know, reacted really smartly to, to put it away. And then, you know, the second one, the same again, you know, a brilliant assist from, from Joel Matip. But again, you know, clinical with the finish. You know, Schmeichel denied Liverpool, you know, time and time again last night. Without him, it, you know, it really would have been four or five because Liverpool were that dominant, especially second half. Um, you know, of course, he got a hand to that one, but couldn't keep it out. And uh, you can just see how much Jota is enjoying himself in that system at the minute. And again, you know, when the when the big games come along, you know, it's the conversation about who fits, who who fills those forward spots at the minute. He is an absolute shoo-in. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens on the left-hand side between Diaz and, and Mane when Mane's you know refreshed and back up to speed. Of course, Salah has got the right side nailed on, but um, you know at the minute I don't think there's much competition in terms of Jota getting the nod ahead of Firmino. What Jota seems to have is that ability to unlock games, and we've seen quite a few games, Paul, where Liverpool have maybe I won't say laboured, but you see you see the first 20-25 minutes and you're thinking. Why have they not made the breakthrough? And then all of a sudden, he scores. And actually, that game against Leicester, it's the 10th time this season he scored the first goal in a game. There's been a, a handful of very sort of generic or oft-used criticisms of, of Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp. And often it's the Liverpool need a clinical centre-forward. They need a proper number nine, uh, in, in inverted commas. And that always comes about when Liverpool, yeah, if they don't get across the line in games, which, let's be honest, has been pretty rare <laughs> actually in the last sort of four seasons the weirdness of last year notwithstanding but that's what Jota is he's predatory you know I think the, the Aldo comparisons are absolutely apt I think you know there's there's been Fowler comparisons he's got very Michael Owen like hallmarks for me Suarez style things and the thing that typifies all these guys is they are and where world class when it came to being in the right place at the right time look at his where he takes his shots from where he scores his goals from Diogo Jota he can play from the left and we saw it last night play from the right for a lot of that game but he ends up between the sticks he ends up in the best place to be to get the best possible chance of scoring you know if you if you if you work out a, a map of the 18 yard box and the, and the the xg rating from those positions He's where you want to be when he when he scores when he scores those goals and yeah I don't think anyone expected that when they when they brought him in but he's certainly become that and Liverpool own Mohamed Salah the best player in the world he's free scoring and and has been for for years now but there's a chance Jota might be a better finisher than Salah which sounds nuts because Salah's got more goals but. Jota's goal scoring rate is accelerating. You know, I, I thought he might be a one in three sort of footballer, t- to be honest. When we, you know, the start of this season certainly, but he's, you know, in for Liverpool now, he's 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 already one in two, and you you could see that getting better, and that's, you know, for Liverpool outstanding, but for opposition defenses, terrifying. Do, do you actually think, Paul, that his story is being understated because he's playing in a team with arguably the best player in the world in Mo Salah? Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, I think when you want to be one of the truly top teams, you need two, minimum. I think you need two guys who are going to bang the goals for you. Liverpool's 13-14. Luis Suarez steals all the, all the plaudits, all the headlines. But Daniel Sturridge is the other one. He's scoring at a, at a top quality goal scoring rate. It was just that Suarez was scoring at a superhuman goal scoring rate. Um, so yeah, I think a, a touch, but I think it's telling that the, the way... The, the Liverpool fans have taken to Jota. Look, I'd, I'd say of the songs sung last night at Anfield, 
60% of them was the, the Diogo Jota song on repeat, getting louder and louder. And the guy next to me said to me, oh, I, I haven't got the, the hymn sheet for this one yet. Is this a new one? And by the end, he's singing it, uh, singing along because you couldn't not know every word to it because, it, it, you know, it, yeah, he's become, I think he's becoming the, the, the cop's new star. And I think the plaudits from outside of Anfield will will follow in due course. And for anyone who d- who doesn't know those words, so I I photographed the uh, the hymn sheet that James put on his article a couple of weeks ago, and then, and then I was WhatsApping it to people next to me because there's still loads of people who can't get the words, is there? It's it's not straightforward. Are you going to sing it for us, Steve? No, no, I still haven't mastered <laughs> that. I, I can't remember them all properly. I can't get the tone right. Um, let's go from him to Luis Diaz and sensational. You think to yourself, why is he getting chosen so quickly after arriving at Liverpool? And then he displays why that is. Because he's clearly got the confidence. The way he's interacting with his teammates pre-match, post-match, he's just settled in straight away, James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was interesting hearing Klopp talk about how they've deliberately not kind of overburdened him with tactical information and wanted him to kind of play with freedom. And I think you can see already that the kind of huge body of work that goes into recruiting players at Liverpool. The fact that, you know, I, I don't think with him there is a, a massive amount he needs to change because he ticks so many of the boxes. That was why, you know, they they move so quickly to sign him at the end of the window when um, when suddenly Porto dropped their asking price and they realised that there was a serious danger that, that Tottenham were going to sign him because stylistically he does look every inch a, a Jurgen Klopp footballer and Klopp said earlier, you know, he, he was struggling to remember anyone in their first start as a new player at a club delivering at that kind of level and looking the part. You have to kind of check that excitement a little bit and think, you know, you, you can't, we don't want to overburden the guy in terms of expecting far too much too soon. You know, sometimes there is that kind of like amazing kind of buzz and that, that comes with a new uh, joining a new club and then we'll have to wait to see if whether whether he can sustain it but we've seen I think we've seen enough already to know that he's going to add you know a huge amount to what is already a a very very gifted squad I think what we've seen already he's not he's not anything like a kind of what you would describe as an old-fashioned winger he's a, you know, he's very clever at coming inside and finding pockets of space and that's why I think at times we will see both him and Sadio Mane in the same starting lineup. I don't think I don't think going forward it's going to be a case of either or because you know I think Diaz can play centrally and will play centrally at times. You know he's obviously used to playing left and cutting in onto his right. But yeah, everything was there that you'd want to see in terms of you know the the, the belief in himself, the pace, the skill to to run at defenders to make things happen, and, and just as important in this Klopp system, you know that that tireless work rate and, and work ethic in terms of when, when Liverpool don't have possession. I think he expects a lot from himself. You could see that from the w- the way he played. But how quick is he, Paul? I reckon he might be the quickest player Liverpool have got now. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's probably not far off. It'd be very interesting to see when the season's all done and dusted and let them all just have a big foot race and see who comes out on top. I think that's, you know, Liverpool's YouTube channel's been very good over the last few years. I think they're missing out on a, a major piece of content there. I totally agree with everything James said there, by the way, as well. And, you know, the, the pace, yeah, and I think... If you know if he's only as fast as Salah and Mane, then that's amazing. If he happens to be a bit faster, great. It's another Arsenal weapon. You could see that Liverpool were looking to release him um, early a few times just to just to test that out, just to let him stretch his legs a bit. You know, teams don't often leave Liverpool a lot of space in behind to utilise. So you know, having that extra. 
burst of pace over a short distance is could be telling for him. But it's the all-round play, it's the all-round work ethic. They were trying to kick lumps out of him last night, and I and I kind of love the fact that he, he was bouncing up instantly because he just wanted to give them no change. And I actually wonder whether there was a little word in his ear at half time that said, You could actually probably get them a couple of yellow cards here, mate, if you just stayed down for a second or two after the after the challenge. And there was one early in the second half where he did just take a moment just to just to kind of soak it up on the deck for a minute before picking himself back up again because I think he's got a point to prove. I think he wants to show that he's not just a a fancy player, you know, a luxury player. He's got a real gnarl about his play, uh, and I thought that was really evident. A couple of really good, like, tracking back, sliding tackles, even actually on the edge of their penalty area to keep attacks alive. He looks like he wants to kill the opposition, um, and that is a very, you know, it's a very Jürgen Kloppy thing, isn't it? It's one of the things that we think typifies Liverpool's play, is not just being great technicians but also willing to die for the cause fight for every loose ball and again you can see it already we've said it about Jota it won't be long before he's got a song he won't be long before he's he he feels like the next sort of in a what's now a very long line of 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 Liverpool icons that have been constructed under Klopp yeah I've got to direct you all to James's piece on Diaz, which sort of charts the history of his journey so far really good you had a chat with with Marco Gruwich who was playing with him at Porto, talked about the areas in, w- in which he's excelled. Yeah, and that was that was an area that he highlighted that you know that defensive side of his game. He said you know that for him is what the biggest difference is between the Diaz of of this season and the Diaz he played with last season. When of course he was he was still on loan then from Liverpool to Porto, and Porto then subsequently bought Gruwich. But um, yeah, he was you know he's a he's a lovely guy, Marco Gruwich, and always speaks so well and he was it was interesting that he said you know, after the Champions League game against Porto in, in late November he said you know members of Liverpool's recruitment staff collared him and, and said you know can we ask you about Diaz you know what kind of character is he what's he like around the place because we know for, for Klopp and for Michael Edwards and Julian Ward you know that, that character side of it is just as important as the ability side in terms of how someone is going to fit into that group you know the what why the spirit and the unity is so good is because you know, there's a there's a lot of superstars in that dressing room, but no no egos that are out of control, and you don't want to you don't want to change that. But um, yeah, Gruwich's words of advice to Liverpool were essentially, you know, you're talking about someone who's who's quiet and humble and completely dedicated to his profession that would enhance any any group of lads. He said so, um, and I think I think we've kind of seen signs of that already in terms of how quickly his teammates have taken to him he doesn't speak much English but you know there's enough Spanish speakers there and and Portuguese speakers to to help him get by at the at the minute and um yeah it was it was interesting speaking to an array of people for that piece who kind of know the real Luis Diaz in terms of obviously Marco Grubic having played alongside him Julio uh, Comasana um a fascinating guy who gave him his his debut for Atletico Junior in in Colombia talking about you know what he was like as a young player and what what set him apart from so many of the other youngsters was you know that willingness to learn and to and to really dedicate himself to it he had some great words of advice for him in terms of you know just saying you know my biggest hope is that he doesn't get carried away with the fame and the extra money and the superstar status that comes with a move to Liverpool that that he retains those kind of characteristics that have that have got him this far and, and, you know, and right down to you know chatting to TV presenters in Colombia and the Colombian Reds, which 
think that supporters group is swelling significantly on the back of Diaz's move because this is a huge deal in Colombia. You know, their their national team is enduring, you know, an absolutely miserable run at the minute. You think of people like Falcao and James Rodriguez who are, are kind of past their best. Diaz is the big hope for an entire nation. You know, his move to Liverpool and the way he started off as has lifted not just not just Liverpool fans around the world, but but Colombian football fans in general. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. I don't know whether you saw just pre-kickoff and the You Never Walk Alone was was out there and obviously everyone's in the emotion of it all. I was watching Diaz, as a lot of people would have done, and Alison Becker went over to him, Paul, for what seemed like a good 30 seconds minute in his ear. And I thought straight away, he's got his network there. Yeah. And I'd love to know what Alison was talking to him about. Yeah, he's going, get get high, get wide, and I'm going to kick the ball to you as quickly as possible. Probably the yeah. long and short of it. But <laughs> no, but I think that's a good point. And, and you know, Kind of circling back on him, you know, and, and how well he started. This is a this is a good point that he's got a good network of people around him between the Portuguese speakers and the Spanish speakers in in the squad, of course. But yeah, you know, Liverpool and how Liverpool have been constructed over these years. It's the fine margins of football that have, have helped to propel them to the, the true top of the game. And that comes from a deeper level of understanding that's been grown, you know game week on game week, training session after training session, and just understanding each other as players and as men fundamentally. He's this good, and he, he, like Andy Robertson basically said, like, we can't we basically can't communicate to each other because I can't speak Spanish and he can't speak effectively Scottish. You know, and they're able to play at that level already. You know, by the end of the summer, when he's had a little bit more time to integrate and, and, and catch up, and, and the language barrier gets you know smaller and smaller. Imagine just how good he he could end up being. There was um, a lad called Salah playing. He wasn't bad. <laughs> James, he's he's not often he comes like fourth, fifth down in our list of uh, of subjects to talk about. When he came on, he clearly had the bit between his teeth with a point to prove, didn't he? Yeah, I, I don't think any any of us would have been too surprised, would we? That I don't think there was ever going to be a hangover from from the the heartache of losing that Afcon final. I think if anything. It was just going to make him even more determined to to achieve great things with Liverpool this season and 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 take out his frustration on on top flight defenses. I think it was. I, I don't quite know how Salah ended up not adding to his his goal tally because he he could easily have had a hat trick in that second half with just how involved he he was. Um, I mean, it it was so nearly another very very special one for the collection, wasn't it? With that. That that turn and and piece of skill to to wriggle his way out of a, what looked like an impossible situation and Schmeichel denied him when the angle was tight and then he had, you know obviously there was the the curler that that, that struck the angle of post and bar with with the keeper having absolutely no chance and and the pouncing on the defensive mistake and running through when he was thwarted by the keeper and one of those strange quirks of the laws of football where then Amati can absolutely clatter into him 
but because Salah's already got the shot off, it's like, oh, that's absolutely fine. You can do whatever you want because he's got the shot off. So you just knew as well, looking at Salah's face on that bench, you know, he wouldn't have been happy about, you know, he, he would have he would have been desperate to start that game. That would have really annoyed him. You know, the fact he, he's not used to being on the bench, is he? So, you know, it's, I, I think it's probably a delicate situation for Klopp in terms of, you know, like with, with, with Mane back around today, it's kind of like you're, you're tempering that absolute delight for Sadio Mane for... You know, being a you know what he's achieved for Senegal, with obviously the fact that you know you've on you know next to him is a guy in the squad who's so massively influential and important, who was on the other, you know, the shoe was on the other foot for him in terms of that that agony of losing the final. But yeah, certainly no no damaging repercussions for Liverpool Salah wise. I think um, you know no doubt he will start at Burnley on Sunday and and he'll carry on where he left off against Leicester. Paul, this this title race thing is it happening? Yeah, well, until it's completely dead and buried, it w- wouldn't it be? I think psychologically, from Liverpool's perspective, it'd be nice to actually feel like the gap is being closed. Not that every game is just returning it back to sort of that nine point par uh, that, that they're at at the moment, really. But I think Jurgen Klopp's diplomatic response to it has been the best way to sort of treat it at the moment. Is we're not really Man City's business until they are. You know, that's not going to happen. At the weekend, it's not going to happen. You know, next week. I mean, it could if City City start losing games. You know, it, it will become Liverpool's business very, very quickly. Of course, but while hope exists, I see no reason not to. To be perfectly honest, while there's still Man City to play, and if Liverpool can continue to just churn over the games, churn over some more points, get some more wins on the board. Why not? You know, why not? And and we'll see what what the pressure feels like on Man City's shoulders in in when you know they eventually play each other. I think it's in April. What the situation lies like that. But the beauty is there's so many nice distractions in the meantime. There's other big games of football. You know, there's the Champions League coming back next week. There's the League Cup final. There'll be FA Cup games. You make your focus then, and if you can just keep the league ticking over in the meantime, it means that they're not the players aren't all totally obsessed with Manchester City and I think that's a much healthier position for Liverpool's squad to be in than Man City squad because I think Man City squad will be keeping an eye on Liverpool far more and um, they'll feel as though that gap should be bigger and every time it goes to 12 points and then it goes back to nine it will feel like City have somehow lost something whereas Liverpool will probably feel as though they're just keeping on a very even keel at the moment so yes why not we live in hope yeah and, and even though the points difference looks massive James it just feels like there's, I don't know, the points difference seems bigger than actually the thought in Liverpool fans' heads about whether they can catch Man City. Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing for me is Liverpool just have to ensure that they're still in that mix when they go to the Etihad in, in early April. I think I think Liverpool have got seven Premier League games between now and then, and there's no reason why they can't go and win those seven. And you just want to crank up the pressure a bit. That's, that's all you can do, you know, as... Klopp keeps saying himself, you know, he's, you know, he's playing it down because I think, you know, nine points with a game in hand, it's still a big, big ask, you know, and it's it's not in Liverpool's hands. All, all they can do is try and turn up the pressure and make City have to keep on getting the job done. And we know that is difficult in the Premier League as, as magnificent a team as City are and with what depth they had. You know, you don't get too many gimmies in the, in the Premier League. So, yeah, just stay on their coattails and then... You know, ensure that there is something big riding on that game at the Etihad. I think when is it April, April 9th, I think it is. Guys, that's been great fun. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Paul. Superb to have you on. Loads of stuff on the Redman TV at the moment, including uh, prediction on the Burnley starting eleven. There's always another game. 
check it out. But two brilliant features as well on The Athletic that James has written on Diaz and Jota. And thank you very much for listening to The Red Agenda. We'll catch up with you next time.